Hello and welcome to the Diction Police. I'm your host, Ellen Rissinger, an American vocal coach accompanist on the music staff of the Zemper Oper in Dresden, Germany. This episode is the beginning of a conversation with tenor Martin Koch. He sat down with me this past summer to focus on the very common IG ending in German, and as often happens, there was so much useful information that I've had to break it up into two episodes. Using the text to Mendelssohn's Frage, today we'll start a little on that IG suffix, plus focus on when to roll R's, and some common exceptions with closed vowels. And one other piece of business, Lydia Zervanos has been very kind and sent me PDFs of the texts with her IPA for the songs from the last Greek episode. They'll be posted at the blog too. A few days ago in rehearsal, one of the Jungus Ensemble members sat down behind me during the break and started writing in all of her blocking. When she saw me notice her, she apologized for it and said, I know it's so silly and I look like a total student, but I remember things better if I write them down. My response to her was that it didn't look like a student at all, but rather like a professional. But I found it interesting and sad that people have teased her about writing down her staging before, especially because so many of the good singers and performers I know do actually write things down. If you write the staging on post-it notes, you can place the note exactly where it needs to be, and can move it if the director next time says, oh, could you move on the next line rather than where you did? It's also really handy in a repertoire system when you might be doing several productions in several different houses, because you can use different colored post-it notes to signify which production you're talking about. And when you go to Essen to sing their production, you can keep it straight from the one you did in Dusseldorf or Dresden. A prime example, too, is the Zemper Oper production of Macbeth, which was just performed last week. We hadn't done it here in at least four years because I haven't seen it here at all. Who can remember all of their blocking from that long ago without a little bit of help? Of course, there were rehearsals to bring some new cast members into the production, but having written things down certainly made life easier for the singers who'd been in it before, thereby saving the assistant stage director time in rehearsals. For me, with over 80 operas on my resume and an average of 15 to 20 to play every season, there's no way to hold all of that information in my head all the time. Writing in little cheats reminds me of things that I already know, so that I don't have to go look everything up all over again, and so that I can pull out a score and immediately get started. But it did take me a long time to realize that there's nothing wrong with writing in my score. In pencil. <laughs> all of this to say, don't be ashamed of writing things down. Instead, revel in finding your own shorthand and shortcuts to marking the information that you need. I'll post a link to the text for today, and be sure to look for Lydia's files to accompany episode 71 at the blog at www.thedictionpolice.com. Don't forget the the. You can also follow the Diction Police on Facebook or on Twitter at Diction Police. Before we ever got to the interview part, Martin and I started talking about the problems with R's in German diction, which led to a discussion on clarity and accuracy. As sometimes happens on the Diction Police, Martin was more comfortable speaking in German, and I didn't want to interrupt the flow of his thought process. So as things go along, I've inserted the translations into the interview separately. Natürlich gibt es Regeln, nach denen man geht, ob das er ausgesprochen wird oder nicht, mm -hmm. so wie der, aber 
es kommt auch darauf an, wie der, wie der Sprachfluss im, im Liedtext es erfordert. Manchmal gibt es, gibt es einfach einen Ausdruck, den man braucht und dann, dann setzt man das R ein. Und manchmal, um den, um den Sprachfluss nicht zu unterbrechen, lässt man es auch vielleicht weg. Ja. Ich glaube, am wichtigsten ist man, dass, dass man lernt, einen akkuraten Anschlag zu machen, der auch mal ein ganz kurzes R nur war. Nur, eigentlich nur macht, ohne Rrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrr
Und äh, ich habe mal eine äh, Premiere Wahlchöre in Stockholm am Theater gesehen. Und ähm, mit Ausnahme von zwei Sängern waren alles Schweden und Norweger. Und ich habe jedes Wort verstanden. Die Übertitel haben mir natürlich nicht geholfen, denn die waren auf Schwedisch. Genau. Ich habe nichts gebraucht. Ich habe da gesessen gedacht, na bitte, es geht doch. Ja, es muss so gehen. It's really a process of discipline and hard work to sit yourself down and give yourself the homework of making sure to remember that opera is theater, which means the text comes first. I saw a premiere of Valkyre in Stockholm, where almost all of the singers were Swedish and understood every word. It does work if you work at it. I think my favorite thing that Martin said here is that we don't have to make the sounds exactly the way we make them in speech. It just has to come out sounding like we did. Dr. Robert Page, who had been in charge of the choral studies at Carnegie Mellon for many, many years and just retired, always said, we do not sing language. We sing sounds that come out sounding to the listener like language. And that has always stuck with me. If we're uncomfortable singing an open vowel while negotiating the passaggio, or if saying an M or a double T up on a high note creates a lot of jaw tension, as long as your solution to these problems comes out still sounding as though you said the right thing, it'll be fine. This, of course, also goes for that uvular R. Although it's becoming a big deal in French diction, you very rarely hear it on a German stage, and I haven't even bothered to learn it, as you could tell. No one has ever thought I sound less German because I roll my R's in the front, even in the spoken language. They have more of a hint when I say mirror at the end of a sentence, which still slips out even after all these years. So when in doubt, your two choices for the letter R will be either a double-tapped flip of the tongue, R, or the upside-down bright A phonetic letter, as you heard Martin say when we started this conversation, in words like dear. Our text for today is Mendelssohn's Frage, Mendelssohn not only composed the song, but also wrote the text himself. This song became the inspiration for his string quartet in A minor, unusual in that the main motive of the song is not only used in the first movement, but also comes back at the very end of the piece, making it a piece of cyclical chamber music. Frage. Ist es wahr? Ist es wahr, dass du stets dort in dem Laubgang an der Weinwand meiner Harst und den Mondschein und die Sternlein auch nach mir befragst? Ist es wahr? Sprich, was ich fühle, das begreift nur, die es mitfühlt und die treu mir ewig, treu mir ewig, ewig bleibt. That was Martin Koch reading the text to Frage by Mendelssohn. The first thing that comes up in this piece is actually the, the letter R at the end of W-A-H-R. And you're actually saying a little bit of a var, right? Yeah. Do you have a reason for saying it, or could we leave it out? Es gibt Gegenden in Deutschland, da wird das R ausgelassen. Aber das läuft dann äh, unter außer der Regel Dialektsprache. Mm -hmm. Zum Beispiel in der Region von Osnabrück wird sehr wenig R gesprochen. Also ein Herbert heißt dort Herbert. Aha. Oder auch in Hamburg, wo ich herkomme. Hamburg hört man schon, wird auch das R <lacht> ausgelassen. Das heißt, ich neige von Natur aus erstmal zur Faulheit. Aber wenn man sich den Text genau anschaut und diese Frage, ist es wahr, steht so alleine da, dass es auch eine, einen, einen expressiven Ausdruck braucht. 
Und deswegen bin ich der Meinung, man muss das ersprechen an der yeah. Stelle. Ja, yeah. so what he's saying is that there are dialects where we would drop out the R almost all the time, like in Osnabrück or where he's from Hamburg, where he would never say Hamburg. And we could actually leave it out in some words. But in this case, because var sits at the end of the sentence and is, is so completely alone, basically, in the song, it's better to, to roll the R a little bit so that we really get the clarity of the word. Und es ist natürlich auch ein Unterschied, ob man war im Sinne von Wahrheit hat oder ob es war ist im Sinne von er war dort. Yeah, so there's a difference between this war in, this, in the sense of being, being true or in the sense of he was here, which, which is W-A-R without the H. In the second line of this, we get one of the exceptions to the anything with two consonants in the stem is a short open vowel sound with the word S-T-E-T-S. Stets. It's a long closed E, right? Yeah. Ich würde sagen, der Grund dafür ist, dass stets eine Abkürzungsform von stetig ist. Ah, okay. Und da hat man dann eben die, die Version, dass man nach dem STET wieder ein Vokal hat und dann heißt es stetig und stets ist die verkürzte Version daher, würde ich sagen, wird stets auch stets ausgesprochen. Ja, yeah. so what he's saying is that this is actually a short form of STETIG. And because in that sense, just as in any kind of verb form that we have, if the root word is a long closed vowel, then this was also stays as a long closed vowel. And we get that same phenomenon at the end of the first stanza with the word befragst. In dem Fall natürlich von dem Verb fragen. Yeah, so in this case from the verb fragen, to ask. And because of that, in that word then it's, it's a long a sound. And so we keep that in every form, right? Yeah. Yeah. Der Stamm verändert sich kaum. So the root of it doesn't ever change it. And when you said stetig, you made me think of one of the reasons we chose this song, which is the IGs at the ends of words. And in the last verse we get... Ewig. And there we have an IG that's not a K at all, it's the Ich-Laut. Das ist eine noch stärkere Version des Ausspracheproblems in der deutschen Sprache, die regional sehr unterschiedlich sein kann. Im Rheinland zum Beispiel, wo ich zurzeit lebe, wird die IG-Endung immer mit einem Verschlusslaut gebildet. Das heißt, ich, ewig, richtig, ist aber nicht richtig, es heißt richtig. Suffixendungen mit IG werden immer ICH ausgesprochen. So what he said is, this phenomenon of IG at the end of a word is something that's a dialectical problem in Germany right now because depending where you live, they will often say ich instead of ich. But technically, the IG at the end of a word should be an ich, an I-C-H sound or an open I followed by the C-C-D phonetically. Es gibt Ausnahmen, und zwar in dem Fall, wenn die wenn das IG-Suffix innerhalb eines Wortes liegt und mit einem Vokal weitergeht, zum mhm. Beispiel der ewige Gott oder ewiger. Ja, oder selige. Selige, seliger, seliges mhm. ja. und so weiter. Und auch, wenn ein weiteres Suffix mit L-I-C-H folgt. Ja, lich. Lich, das, die Endung lich mit einer IG-Endung davor, 
wird, äh, wird die IG-Endung auch mit einem Verschlusslaut gebildet und zwar einfach aus Gründen des Wohlklangs. Ja. Das ist eine echte Ausnahme, denn mhm. eigentlich gibt es keinen Grund dafür. Eigentlich müsste man sagen, ewiglich, mhm. aber weil zweimal Lich, Lich ähm, kein Wohlklang bildet in der deutschen Sprache, ist die Regel gebildet worden, man sagt ewiglich. Ja. So what he said is, this, there are exceptions to that in the cases what we, that he was giving, like ewige and selige, seliger, when the, when the IG is then followed in the word by another vowel or by another syllable in that sense, There are also some standard suffixes like lich and actually also reich that will also make that, that, make that ig suffix turn into a hard sound because they don't want to hear ewiglich and they don't want to hear königreich. They want to hear ewiglich and königreich. Was wir noch vergessen haben ist, äh, folgt ein Konsonant auf die IG-Endung, mm -hmm. bleibt es ich. Zum Beispiel Honigkuchen, der freudigste oder Richtigkeit. Yeah, so if there's also a consonant after another consonant, not one of those standard suffix endings, but another consonant after this ig ending, it maintains its ichness. It maintains that cedia and not a k sound. So when we I think we've talked about it with words like steinigten und sie steinigten ihn. Yeah, then Aber steinigen oder steiniget, steiniget und sie steinigten ihn. Das yeah. ist die, das, das Beispiel aus Paulus. Exactly. That's, it's from the oratorio. Exactly from St. Paul's, the, the oratory from, from Mendelssohn, right? Yeah. And that one I, I think we've talked about before because it does still maintain its ICH feeling to it. In the fourth line of this, we get another one of the exceptions to that two consonants being making it a short open vowel, in the word Mondschein. Yeah, M-O-N-D, Mond. Mond. So that's always a closed, long sound. Yeah. Because, and even with the ending, we would still say Mondschein, right? Yeah, auf jeden Fall. Yeah. Die aspirierten Konsonanten kommen im Deutschen viel häufiger vor als in jeder anderen Sprache und D wird eben oft wie ein T ausgesprochen. Yeah. Mond. But he's saying the aspirate consonants, basically the, the, the Auslautverhärtung, the hard consonants at the ends of words, happen even more often in German than almost any other language. And so a, a D, and in this case here, because it's the end of that syllable, and there's not a, a vowel following it, it will still be, an, a, be spoken like a T, basically. Genau. Wenn nun ein Vokal folgt, würde es zum Beispiel heißen Mondenschein wird es als normaler, weicher Verschlusslaut gesprochen. Yeah, so if it had a vowel after it, like Mondenschein, then, then you get to say the D. But because it's followed by another consonant, then we, then we de-voice it. And actually, we did the same thing in Befragst, too, right? That the G will become a K sound. Ja, ja wenn, man das, wenn man das stimmhaft lassen würde, dann, dann wirkt, man sich ja, es wirkt man sich ja ab. Also es ist schon schwierig genug, ein Wort mit zwei Vokalen und äh, sechs Konsonanten zu sprechen. <lacht> äh, wenn man dann auch noch äh, lauter stimmhafte und äh, stimmlose verbinden müsste, da, da, da kommt äh, unverständlicher Nonsens bei heraus. Deswegen, äh, da kann man sich, sich wirklich einfach machen und sagen, Befragst. Yeah. So he said Durch die Aspiration ist man schon auf dem Weg zum S und kann sehr akkurat und fein bleiben. Exactly. So he said, you know, it's hard enough to say a word that has, what was it, seven consonants? 
Six. Six consonants and two vowels, which we've all seen before in German, just to get that to be comprehensible. And then to try and make a voiced consonant in the middle of all these unvoiced consonants, it makes it even harder. So he's saying, by saying the K sound in befragst, you'll actually have a, an easier time of making the ST then be more clear, too. Genau. Well, and we have the same thing then with sprich, because there again we have this very standard SPR beginning to a word. We have that sprr, and then just to get all of that out takes a long time. Oh, yeah, natürlich. Und äh, da, okay, wenn man jetzt äh, Lied macht mit Klavier, dann äh, arbeitet man sich ja aufeinander ein. Aber gerade auf der Bühne mit Orchester ist es eben bei diesen langen, viel konsonantigen Wortanfängen wichtig, früh damit anzufangen, damit eben der Zuhörer die Möglichkeit hat, sprr zu hören, bevor, das, äh, bevor der Klang kommt. Aber das ist ja in allen Sprachen so. Das ist, da erzähle ich ja jetzt nichts deutsch-spezifisches. Aber man muss sich viel Zeit dafür nehmen, dass eben das Sch genug Zeit hat und das Prr, das R auch zum Klingen kommt, damit man, damit man wirklich Sprich hört. Yeah, and there we would definitely roll the R anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So he says, it, it, when you're working in Lieder, it's possible to be a little softer with some of these consonants. And because you can, you can work with the pianist and you can make it flow a little bit easier, you might not have to always get over that with the consonants before the beat. But once you get on stage with an orchestra, then you really have to get that sprr out before the beat so that you can stay in time with the orchestra. Es ist ja dann auch sehr schwer zu verstehen, der Text, wenn man mit dem Orchester zusammen erst die Konsonanten spricht, die sowieso schon mal leiser sind als der, als der gesungene Vokal. Und dann kommt erst noch der Vokal und meistens ist dann auch die Zeit um und man muss schon, auf die nächste, muss schon längst auf der nächsten Silbe gewesen sein. Exactly. Yeah, so he's saying when you get with an orchestra, if you put those consonants on the beat and the orchestra's playing on the beat, you're going to be harder to hear because consonants are softer than vowels. So you want to make sure and get them before the beat, before the cymbals play, before the, the timpani beats something really loudly at the same time that you're trying to say a consonant so that we really get the sense of the word and also so that you have more time on the vowel because that's what we really care about. Yeah, and vielleicht als letztes noch, weil du eben gefragt hast, würdest du das errollen oder nicht? Mhm. Ich bin der Meinung, äh, deutsche gesungene Sprache kennt nur zwei Sachen. Entweder man lässt das R weg, mhm. wie der, oder man rollt das R wie erleuchten. Ja, so he's saying here that it, there are two ways to deal with the R in German. The first is to ignore the R completely, like he said in der, or to actually roll it like erleuchten, and like we saw with war. Genau, Sprache. Sprich. Frage. Frei. Wenn man da das R weglassen würde, käme Unsinn heraus. Und ich würde es nicht ganz ignorieren, denn wenn man das R weglässt, weil man doch der Vokalfarbe vorher eine, eine kleine Wendung gibt. Also mal, zum Beispiel der Erde. Man würde nicht sagen der Erde. Das wäre ein bisschen übertan. Ja. Auch in der gesungenen Sprache singt man der Erde, macht aber nicht der Erde, ja. sondern der Erde. Es geht ja ganz leicht in so eine, in so eine Mischvokalendung hinein, die in Richtung A geht. Ja, yeah. so he's saying that you, when, you, when we're saying to leave the R out completely, it's not that we're saying that you don't acknowledge that the R is there at all, it's that we're saying you don't want to roll the R, because that R feeling will also then change the quality of the vowel. So when he's saying in der Erde, he's actually telling us that we need to go from the closed 
E, which is the lowercase E, closed A sound, I mean, in the lowercase E, to that upside down bright A sound, so that we really get the flavor of the R without saying R, der. Wobei das A nicht, nicht so absolut groß und akkurat gesprochen wird, sonst ist man wieder in einem Dialekt. Es gibt im Region, da sagt man der Erde. Das wäre zu viel. Es ist nur eine, eine ganz kleine, akkurate, delikate Veränderung. Yeah, so it's just a small difference and not too much of a huge difference, like you heard him give us an example. I translated that last section pretty poorly there, so I'll just clarify that a little. I should never have said that we ignore the R completely. When there's an R at the end of a syllable, we do need to acknowledge that it's there with the upside-down bright A sound. As Martin said, it's a rather short sound, but it's not a diphthong, and it definitely doesn't get any stress. In the example that he gave in the word der, it's almost as though at the end of the closed E sound, you can feel the back of the tongue just release a little to almost an A, der. And when he said der Erde, you can hear a slight separation between the words that we often talk about in German when a word begins with a vowel. Sometimes we call this a glottal, sometimes we call it a separation, but in any case, we just need that little bit of space before it. Just as a general rule of thumb then, Basically, any R that's at the beginning of a word or syllable, or the last consonant of a cluster, will roll, as we saw in sprich, befragst, and treu. There are no examples in this piece, but also an intervocalic R will be rolled in German. So the only real question comes when an R ends a syllable. Oftentimes, with three-letter words ending in R, It will turn into that upside down bright A. Mir, M I R, D I R, dir, W I R, wir, D E R, der, W E R, wer. As an American, these are also the words that I have the most trouble with. As I said at the beginning of the episode, if I'm gonna say an er, this is where I say them. So watch out for them, they're tricky little devils. With words of more than one syllable ending in an ER, both letters are phonetically replaced with just the upside-down bright A. In this piece, the word minor would be transcribed as M, a diphthong of bright A and closed lowercase e, N, and the upside-down bright A, so no rolled R. So the real question is with all of the R's in between. And unfortunately, there are no easy rules to give you to say this is how everyone does them. In general, I'm more likely to want a rolled R after an open epsilon E, but in this piece, Sternlein might feel like it's too much. And I would almost never roll the R after a closed vowel, but I can't say decisively that I would never want it. The best I can say is to actively listen to as many different recordings of native speakers as you can find and play with it yourself to see how that rolled R feels and if you can make the text clear enough without it. The basic rule for an open vowel in a stressed syllable is that it's followed by more than one consonant in the root of the word. But of course in this song, we had two exceptions to that rule. Stets, S-T-E-T-S, in fact, is the only exception I've found with the letter E. Although, as Martin said, it comes from the word stetig, 
so it's not really an exception, but I've never seen the word stetig before. I've only ever seen stets. We've run across the word mond, M-O-N-D, before, and mondschein is just a compound word building on that. There are very few exceptions like this to the rule, and these words come up often enough that it's important to memorize them. So far, the only other exceptional words like these that I've found are Trost, T-R-O-S-T, which means comfort, and Obst, O-B-S-T, fruit. We'll talk a lot more about the suffix I-G on the next episode, but we saw the beginning of it here with ewig. The suffix I-G will be transcribed as an open capital I, Cicidia. We talked a little bit about the exceptions to that rule here, but we'll go through them in more detail next week. And that's all we have time for today. Next week, Martin and I finish our conversation about the IG suffix in German diction. In the meantime, to find out more about Martin Koch, or if you have any questions or comments for me, Ellen Rissinger, please visit the blog at www.thedictionpolice.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a good rating on iTunes or share it on Facebook and Twitter so that others can find it and benefit from it. Thanks for listening. See you next week.